baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It is Thursday, 2-22, 22nd of February. Laura, how's it going, Laura? Good afternoon. It's good. Excellent. Excellent. Happy mm. National Margarita Day. Oh, is it? It is. You'll have to have one down on the sunny beach. I mean, we are staying at Margaritaville. Yes. So it only feels right. Tomorrow, our whole show will be live at Margaritaville, mm-hmm. which... Uh, I'm curious where they're going to put us, right? Yeah. Like, if you're live out in the middle of, like, the... Are, are we going to be at the pool? Are we going to mm. be... I mean, there's a lot of... It's a resort. It's like, it's, you know, there's always, like, Jimmy Buffett vibes and yeah. this kind of... Mu- so, like, is the music going to be blaring the entire... Who mm-hmm. knows? Maybe they'll put you in a... Is there a pretty lobby with, like, giant fans and there, fresh yeah, air blowing yeah, around? Yeah, there's a pretty lobby. Maybe yeah. we'll be... Who knows? Who knows? I'll tell you this. I mean, because the show is only two hours, I I feel like I have to drink margaritas through the whole show, right? I would say so. Yes, on a yeah. Friday, especially yes. if it's a sunny, nice, beautiful day, you bet. Cook doesn't drink, so Dan can drive us to the airport afterwards. Are you coming home tomorrow night then? Okay. We are. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, uh, you know, maybe we'll we'll catch a little bit of the game. Because why not? Yes, you should. I do think, like, this game tomorrow is so funny and fun to me. It's funny because the idea of professional baseball players playing against the Gophers, mm-hmm. you're like, I mean, do you do you bring the heat? Like, if you're, <laughs> if you're a pro player, like, you don't want a Gopher to get a home run off of you, right? Well, it could be kind of fun. I think they'll just have fun with it. I just don't know, like, what the right approach... It's sort of like the parent playing, uh, you know, a board game with your child. Like, you don't want to destroy the kid, but also you kind of want to destroy the kid. It's a little bit of that. I I predict they're going to keep it light and fun and maybe play some players that we don't really know who they are. I think that will probably... Mm Probably be part of things. I was interested to read again today another uh, major university saying, you know what? We sort of messed up by getting rid of standardized tests. Mm. Yale is bringing them back. Wow. And I can't tell if I believe what these schools are saying as far as their rationale for why they're bringing them back. Yeah. They're trying to make the case that test optional policies actually hurt lower income kids. Sort of the theory of going test optional is that if you have a lot of money, you have the ability to hire tutors and get a better score on the test. So what is the test really showing? Who's the richest, right? It's not that helpful. Well, now they're saying, as as it's turned out, the standardized test was, in fact, a very effective way for lower-income kids to get noticed. Sure. To have have their application stand out. So if you drop a 34, 35, or 36 on the ACT, and maybe you don't have, you know, you, you don't have as rigorous of a curriculum, or you don't have as many activities or achievements, 
well, maybe it's because, like, you had to go home after school and watch your kids because – watch your siblings because your, your uh, parent or parents are off working a second or a third job. Right. I think it's very interesting. If indeed that is the reason that they're bringing it back, I, I think it's quite interesting. They're saying that the standardized test is not discriminatory against lower income kids. In fact, by not looking at those, you're you're hurting lower income kids. Pretty interesting. It is interesting. I still just don't like the whole idea of standardized tests, though. I really don't think it measures a student's capabilities and intellect and ability to learn and different tools that they might have in their toolbox. You know, I just, yeah. I know so many really bright, bright, smart kids who did lousy on their ACT, yeah. but they're very yeah. successful. Well, I thought that too, Laura. And now that they've had a couple years, I mean, it's been a great academic experiment, right? Because you can see what happens when you go to a test optional policy. What, what they found is that these standardized tests actually are better predictors of at least success at college. It's not a predictor of success at life, but a predictor of success at college, that those standardized tests are actually a better predictor than anybody thought they were. Hmm. So I had the same feeling you did, where you say, like, eh, these tests, like, come on. Like, yeah. what are but it turns out, and they, I don't think they have done enough research to know why, but it does seem that that there actually is now it's still schools use a million different things to make their decision right they're, yeah. they're they the the formula for looking at a kid is so different than it was when we were applying to schools and kids are much smarter than we were back in the mm-hmm, day i believe that yeah i just think like the curriculum is more rigorous the opportunity for enrichment and learning different things the internet has made the world smaller i i think without question the the high school graduates today, you have more great kids, mm-hmm. uh, academic. And this is just one sliver, right? There are great kids of all different variety, all different achievement, all different areas of interest. But just thinking about the academic in a traditional sense, like I, I think the kids are smarter today, which makes it harder if you're Harvard or Yale or whatever. You still only have 15, 1,200 slots, to, yeah. you know, so... I don't know. I don't feel bad that my kid didn't get into some of those schools because pff, what are the odds? It's right? almost impossible. Like, it's almost right. impossible. And that's OK. It's all right. Like, who cares? There are tons of great schools. And exactly. Great kids are going to do fine. They'll they'll figure it out is sort of how I think about it. Yeah. It turns out there are not as many wackadoos in Minnesota as there are in other states. Really? Yeah. Good that's news surprising. for us. Yeah. Well, at least in this one metric, Axios. Uh, took a look at reported UFO sightings okay. per 1,000 residents. And I would I would have thought that Minnesota would have a lot, right? Because we sort of, I don't know. Don't you think there's something in Minnesotans that, like, we want to believe in UFOs? Hmm. Do you want to, do you believe in UFOs? I'm not sure. We have a friend in Colorado who swears he sees them frequently and totally believes he's all in. He is just all in. Is he high at the time, he, or it's just it, he could be? Yeah, but I don't. But he's I'm not also, judging. He's I'm... extremely smart and intelligent, yeah. and has like data to back this stuff up that he says mm-hmm. to us. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, I listen to somebody like that who is smart and credible and knowledgeable and worldly and and great, but. Then I just think of, you know, aliens and stuff you see in the movies, and I, I, know. I don't believe it. Seems, it. I don't, I don't believe, believe it. 
I have the my attitude on this is the same as you. I am yeah. absolutely open to the fact that there that maybe we're getting visits. I a hundred percent think there are other life forms out there in the universe. Yes. And in in forms that maybe we can't even fathom. I, I doubt there are people, you know, humanoid like figures walking around or yeah. aliens or yeah. Or like avatar. People. Right, like right. I don't that I I doubt that's out there. Yeah, I, I think, do too. I think for sure there's life out there. I I just find it hard to believe that if there were an uh, an alien or a UFO, that like they're gonna fly like do a flyby in Colorado in a saucer. Like, why? Yeah, <laughs> it just doesn't. To me, it doesn't I seem know. likely. I know. I I'm sort of I'm with you in that it, the way I sort of logic it out is. We don't currently have anything even remotely close to the technology for interstellar, interstellar travel, right? We, we can't. We're trying to land on the. They're trying to land on the moon right now. That's we've we've got that part down. Do you mean but, into like other dimensions and stuff? Dave? No, I mean I mean well that's that's kind of where I'm going. But I mean we don't have the ability right now with the the physics that we understand and the technology that we have. We can't put people in a ship and get them to another even just to another star system, much less you know any any other distance in the universe. So if if another civilization out there has the ability to do interstellar travel, their technology has to be so far beyond anything we yeah. can even conceive of right now that it would be almost unrecognizable to us and so for folks to, you know, well an object is zipping around in the sky and it isn't supposed to do that. Well, okay, there's a thousand different explanations for stuff like that beyond this technology that we can't even conceive i just the the fact that they could actually pull this off and yet somehow be visible to us or understandable or conceivable to us just doesn't make any sense to me no yeah what is possible is that these kind of unidentified flying objects are from russia or china Mm. just weather balloons from china weather balloons you know i i think that is more of a realistic uh possibility sure but we we report uh, 33 and a half sightings per 100,000 residents mm-hmm. and that is below the national average. Okay. So, We're a little more skeptical we Minnesotans. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Laura, thank you. Thank have a you. great night. You too we'll, have a safe trip back, you guys. Yes, we probably won't uh well, you'll we be doing the news. Oh yeah, I'll be here tomorrow. That's yes. right. So well, I, we won't talk because of the game I can talk to Laura whenever That's I dang true. well want. That's true. I hope Cook? you'll be talking if you're having margaritas, it'll be an interesting day. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thanks, Laura. All right. Goodbye. It is five eighteen. D rush hour news headlines coming your way in just a minute here on CCO. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It is the 22nd of February, Thursday night. Time for the D-Rush Hour news headlines coming at you from Fort Myers, Florida. Now, what is the most expensive city in the Twin Cities metro area? It's not North Oaks. It is Wyzetta. 
I don't know if anyone's really surprised by that. Star Tribune's hot housing index shows that homes in Wyzetta last year sold for $394 per square foot. It's one of the few cities that saw prices rise in 2023. They went up 5%. Over five years, they're up 36%. One of the realtors they talked to in this article, Jeff Dewing, said, look, when I'm talking with relocation buyers, which are often well-paid executives, Wyzetta is always at the top of their wish list. But the fact that prices went up also go to the fact that if you're rich, you don't care about higher mortgage rates because you are probably paying cash. So it's just not an issue. Uh, this realtor sold a make, uh, listed a Lake Minnetonka house that sold for $13.5 million and never even went on the MLS. The reality is, with only 2,200 residents, you can't get into Wyzetta for less than a million dollars. There's really nothing for sale. It's a very uh, tight supply. New NBA rules make it sound like even if the Timberwolves get a new arena, the Twin Cities will never get an NBA All-Star game. Oh, there it is. You know, I really thought you were going to play round ball rock for me there. You didn't know, you know, that's my favorite. That's my favorite. NBA laying out new criteria for picking sites. I should say I just got a text from my friend who just bought in Wyzetta confirming the absolute nonsense of what prices are in that town. So the NBA is saying, look, we don't care if you build a new arena. This is what we need for future all-star sites. Minneapolis St. Paul Business Journal reporting on that today. So you need a minimum of three five-star hotels. And it's debatable. We have won the Four Seasons as a five-star. You could say the Ivy or the JW Marriott are maybe five-star, but yeah, we're on the edge there. We need 75 nonstop domestic flights, at least 20 international. We're fine there. And then we need a convention center with 650,000 square feet of exhibition space. Now, if you run the numbers, our convention center only has half that. And so that convention center requirement pretty much wipes out everywhere other than L.A., Las Vegas, New York, Atlanta, Miami, Dallas, Houston. That's it. We'll see if this little rule change sticks or what is really going on there. A new library in South St. Paul. <laughs> Pioneer Press reporting on this $11.4 million library. No library cop included. Well, they're probably, I don't know, these days. Uh, it officially opened this week. I've seen photos of this new library. It's gorgeous. The Kaposha Library in, in uh, South St. Paul. Most inclusive and accessible library, they say. Uh, 40,000 titles, including uh, bro- books in Braille. So that's cool. they got age-specific hangout areas, outdoor reading space. It's the 10th library in the Dakota County Library System. Most energy efficient. Land was donated by the city of South St. Paul. Most of the price tag uh, paid for with funds from that federal stimulus package in 2021, the American Rescue Plan. Which, of course, when you think of a federal stimulus plan, I guess there were jobs in building, yeah, you know, construction jobs. I don't know, man. Stimulus package. It, it, stimulating a lot of a lot of stuff. Cool story about uh, Monster Jam in the New York Times. 
Yeah, Grave Digger, Monster Jam. I, I, unironically, unambiguously love Monster Jam. It is so much fun. It, if you like wrestling, it's just like wrestling, except the main characters are trucks. I mean, it's pretty awesome. Monster Jam has grown significantly, reports the New York Times, since it was founded in 1992. It runs six series, five in the U.S., another overseas, sells millions of tickets each year. Uh, just crazy. A lot of it is uh, my age, Gen Xers, and the elder millennial parents with their young kids hanging out. Uh, it's crazy. Like, it's mostly a show. It's a bit of a competition. You vote as a fan, like, whatever, but it's all a crock. Like, it's just a just to make a lot of noise, have a couple of drivers stomp it on 1,500 horsepower for 30 seconds. It's very loud, and it's very fun. By the way, Monster Jam schedules the events to be two hours, which is approximately the amount of time any normal parent would expect that their child would sit still. That's about how that goes. It's 529. That's the D-Rush Hour News headlines. We are going to visit with one of the best twins reporters, Dan Hayes. He'll join us in just a minute here on Drive Time. Dan Hayes joins us all throughout the season. It is so good to hang out with you, spend a little time with you down here in spring training for the athletic Uh Dan, good to have you with us on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Now, uh, Thursday morning, this camp, I don't want to undersell the the work that we're doing here, but it's been relatively uneventful, hasn't it? I mean, honestly, it's been kind of boring. It, it really is. This is, you kind of knew it, A lot, not a lot of new faces, not a lot of high-profile new faces, and I think that kind of changes the dynamic. They've done so much the last couple of years. They brought in the Carlos Correa's last year, Joey Gallo, you know, Sonny Gray a couple of years ago. When you don't have those high-profile guys walking in the door, you know everybody's story. So it kind of makes it boring. Yeah. Yeah, and that's okay, I think, as a yeah, fan. Yeah. And as a team, you look and you're like, well, this is sort of what you're supposed to be building towards, right? Yeah, look. Newsy camps usually are not a great thing for anybody <laughs> but the reporters. Like, right. newsy camps are, oh, uh, so-and-so had his arm amputated the other day, and, you know, uh, somebody can't run. Right. And, like, they're, they're thinking of chopping his ankle off or his leg off below the ankle. Right. Like, yeah, those, right. those are the worst yeah. camps. That's not teams, good. Teams want this kind of camp where it's boring because they can focus just on baseball. It is interesting. We were talking uh, in the locker room the other day about how much – uh, spring training and training camp has changed over the years where there's not like the uh, the day is a little longer yeah. it seems like there's more maybe more meetings and less like drills you know what I mean I mean it feels like they have two hours of meetings every day now granted they are good at keeping the meetings short they're like 20 minute sessions there's a belief in there that meetings shouldn't last longer than 30 minutes and if you do you're wasting time so they're just jam-packing a ton of meetings in, which that would make me concerned. I mean, like, like it feels like school. Like, where am I? Am I supposed to be in homeroom right now? <laughs> am I supposed to be in the bullpen? Like, um, you know, that. but they, they have very long days because they get here at 8 in the morning, and they're here till they're working until 2 p.m., and then guys still are working out and eating and around the complex um, 
can be for spring training, you know, it used to be two, three-hour days. Now it's extending out to five, six hours. Dan Hayes with The Athletic is with us. As, as uh, we think about the news that's come out of this camp, some of it came from this show, yeah. uh, as uh, Joe Polad uh, confirming what you had reported months ago that Derek Falvey had said, but I don't know if maybe it's different when you hear it from the owners saying, this is pretty much our payroll. We know it's less than last year. Our business can't sustain continuing to spend that level of money. Yeah, and and the writers thank you for that interview. You're welcome. Yes. Yeah. Were you surprised that he? Uh, were you surprised that he said it, or were you surprised? Uh, you certainly weren't surprised by the information. No, not not surprised by the information. I think if you were surprised by that, um, you really haven't been paying attention. This has been on the walls since November. Maybe surprised at him saying it, and maybe how blunt he was about the free agents, and no, like starting the hem and haw and give you like the runaround answer and then realizing like four words in no i'm just gonna be honest and maybe that was shocking i think twins fans who are very frustrated whether it's a tv deal or the fact that they're not putting the pedal to the metal right now you know i think i I understand where they're frustrated but it's still not surprising whatsoever you wrote today about what carlos correa had to say about the payroll situation because i you know i'm a i'm a fan I am happy to spend someone else's money, uh, (laughs) as we all are, right? Exactly. And I'm a realist that understands just because you have multiple businesses, you can't just grab $20 million from the real estate or the automobile that they just sold or whatever. That's just not how business works. No, and and look, there's a little bit of a team spokesman going on there because you don't want dissension. Uh, Raphael Devers from the Red Sox ripped the front office just the day before about them not spending. Now, look. Carlos Correa won. This team is in a different spot than the Red Sox are. Correa was like, look, we have really good talent. And he's not wrong. So I understand why he wouldn't make too big of a deal of this. They're still projected to win the division. They're still projected to get to the playoffs. They have a lot of really good talent here that it needs to be, they need things to be answered. Some of their gambles have to pay off. And I understand why he would not freak out about it the way that, you know, fans are fans are frustrated because fans have dealt with this you know looking up some of those old salary numbers and the twins having a 15.7 million dollar budget player budget in 2000 and then 24.6 million in 2000 like that's just absurdly low and so i get it that fans remember that stuff and think about the team being cheap you know it's it's a tough spot to be in because you want them to spend but they lost a lot of money off tv they have not done well to the gate the last couple of years, so it's not surprising that they've kind of drawn a line here. Yeah, Joe said right-sizing the business, and that's I, I, I think they're still spending. Yeah, They're, they're but still it's, spending, it's, but next it's... Next year's going to be really tough, because there's still TV uncertainty. This is a one-year deal with Bally. A lot of people believe they were forced into taking this deal, and like that it wasn't beneficial. If, if you've seen it already, like, there were reports out that Cleveland and Texas, who also took these one-year deals, they get to retain 85%. I, I wonder if the fact that the Twins aren't reporting it, if the, the rumors aren't out there, is because the Twins took even a worse deal. That's that's There's a lot of speculation in the industry amongst that. And this was like one of the worst TV deals in baseball as it was. So they're in a weird spot. And next year, a lot of guys get really expensive. Pablo Lopez jumps up like $13 million in salary. So 
if they're right-sizing the business, they're going to have to I, – I, I'm guessing they realize how much things get expensive naturally next year, and that's why they're choosing this year to make that move. Because the payroll is going to go up by yeah. $20 million, uh, automatically just with raises. Right? Yeah, yeah, and, and that's not counting, like, if they found a way to bring Max Kepler back, uh, Kyle Farmer, guys like that. There's some natural contracts that just yeah. expire off the books, and they're still looking. I think Twins Daily wrote about it. They're still looking at like a hundred and forty million base without adding anybody. With to nothing else, right. doing nothing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Pablo Lopez gets expensive. Royce Lewis is not going to be. I I think he will be a super two as far as ARB goes, and he's due a hefty raise, especially if he plays you know more than sixty games this year. So, it's going to be interesting. Dan Hayes is with us from the Athletic. I'm going to take a break, and when we come back, I want to talk more about what it is like to be a reporter covering baseball, a reporter here at spring training, and we'll talk a little bit about your love for music as well because you are our number one concert uh, guy for sure. Dan Hayes from the Athletic joins us during the season here on Drive Time. Glad to have him here on a Thursday on CCO. Back with Dan Hayes from Fort Myers, Florida. CCO on the road here with spring training, the Minnesota Twins. Dan, you've been covering the Twins for how long now? Uh, this is my seventh year. And, but baseball you've been covering? Since 2007. Uh, it's getting, getting up there in the years. <laughs> it is? Well, now you got some kids out here on the beat, some yeah. uh, younger reporters, too. Oh, yeah. I'm the old. Uh, okay, I'm not the old man. but I, am I mean, Pat Roycey is hanging around a yeah, little bit. Exactly. I mean, you know. I'm the middle ground between the older generation and the younger generation. So, what it, When you look at baseball, I always think it's such an interesting sport to cover from a journalist standpoint because the access you get to the players is so different, especially as you know, athletes have become much more guarded, much more rehearsed. Uh, the NFL is so protective of their players from the media. Uh, NBA, each person is like their own little media company. Yeah. Uh, baseball, you still get to like have quite a bit of face time with these players. Not, I think that, you know, you get a chance to develop relationships with players that maybe other sports don't allow you that time for because football is so regimented. You get very little locker access, and you got to cover so much ground in there. This, we're standing around, and, you know, there might be some days where you talk to two, three people, and you're in the clubhouse for over an hour. So you get a chance to really get to know people. It depends on how media-friendly they are. Um, you pick and choose your battles. You don't, you know, you, um, but I, I think that, you know, you just really get good at interviewing people, not just about baseball. You you figure out what makes them tick because I've found that's like half there. There's you see somebody every day. Yeah. You ask them about their family. You do stuff because not every conversation is going to be baseball. Because honestly, frankly, that would be really boring right. to do <laughs> right. that. Like right. you're you're just a person too. So like it's like I I don't know. I I, I love that part of it. Building a rapport and people. You know they're. Griffin Jacks might go through a tough spell where you have to go ask him terrible questions that he doesn't want to answer. But if you've talked to him for two weeks leading up to that and ask him about his daughter and that kind of stuff, and and not every conversation is business. There's, you know, I think that's a, a big benefit to baseball coverage because you've put in time and players know you're invested versus just being there to get them. Yeah. Yeah, it is an interesting environment. I mean, we're only down here for a week and I'm in and out during the season. But, you know, you see Carlos Correa is so friendly. Yeah. And you think, like, this guy is one of the ultimate superstars of the game. And yesterday he's leaving the ballpark and he's like, hey, Jason. You're like, whoa, all right. Like, impressive. I would say I've talked to him as much about what we're streaming 
hmm. uh, online uh, to kill time on the road in the off season. I mean, during the season, as I've talked to him about baseball, he's a he's a guy who definitely the the relationship matters. He knows your name. Um, he's very savvy media wise, and and uh, it's why he is. It's why he got that contract. Not only is he an amazing baseball player, but he understands the media side of thing. When he went to um, the studio a couple of years ago for TBS, I think it was, in the postseason, he was fascinating because he's breaking down complex stuff like wins above replacement and, and simplifying it in a way I've never seen a player been able to do. Um, he's a bright guy, and uh, it's funny because... He's into Marvel. He's into Star Wars stuff. So we we spend as much time talking about that um, as we do about uh, baseball. Dan Hayes from the Athletic with us. Is this hard on your family? I mean, you're on the road a lot when you're covering baseball. This is why I have cats. Cats, <laughs> cats uh, don't react as much the to cats being. Cats aren't mad. They, you know, like as the long lady. as somebody's there to take care of them. Yeah. Um, they sleep most of that day anyway so they don't notice i'm gone 110 days a year as much as as uh, she does and uh you know so it's uh kids might be a little different it'd be hard right oh yeah yeah oh yeah i once i started doing this i kind of knew i was never gonna want i if i if i wanted to have kids like i would want to be home a lot more so yeah. and yeah i you can do it there's plenty of people in this business that have great family lives but also there's a lot of time where you're just on the road and gone and it's yeah. uh it's yeah. not that's not conducive i think to a healthy family life <laughs> it so. just isn't most people can't make that work it's really hard a third of your of the year yeah. yeah so you're on the road quite a bit one of the things you love to do in your spare time when you're not streaming uh, uh marvel movies to <laughs> keep up with carlos is going to concerts yep last year how, how many shows did you go to i think it was like 11, 12, 13. We've already gone to uh, one this year. We saw Madonna in Chicago in February, right before uh, right before coming to camp. And uh, how was Madonna? You know what? I'm not a huge fan, but it was it was really entertaining. It was a spectacle. It's exactly what I kind of expected. And you know, given that she was ill a year ago, yeah, I was right. I wasn't sure what to expect. It was incredible. Best shows that you saw last year? Last year, I'll I'll go with my top four. It's all nostalgia stuff. And the first two times I'd ever seen Depeche Mode, The Cure, those were great. Janet Jackson was great, and I uh, saw Bruce Springsteen for the first time last year at Wrigley Field. That was incredible. Bruce is a good show. Oh, it was. I I understand it. I, you know, Phil Miller from the Star Tribune has like seen him like zillions of times, and I always wonder you know, what the deal was. Now I've seen it, I totally can understand why people get hooked. Yeah, yeah. It is funny that the music, that our music is now in the nostalgia oh, tour man. era. It's killing me. It hurts. It really you does. Turn, you turn on the oldies radio stations and they're playing the stuff that we were listening to in high school and college. I know. I remember listening to my parents' oldies <laughs> and thinking, boy, stuff in the 50s and 60s, <laughs> this is so old, you know, and now it's my stuff. Yeah, it hurts. It yeah, hurts. It does. So do other things. It's part of getting older, I guess, yeah. <laughs> For sure. Uh, Dan, really fun to have you on. We always appreciate your insight during the season, and uh, great to have you here today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, and uh, let's keep with the, uh, I don't know, maybe we can get more interesting camp for a few more days, although we, I, I guess we'll uh, we'll just settle with what we got. <laughs> the Gophers, uh, there will be some nice storylines in that Gophers-Twins uh, matchup tomorrow, I think. They don't get to face Yohan Duran, which would be just, I would love to watch some college kids face 104 miles an hour. <laughs> but uh, they do get Chris Paddock, so that should be fun. That would be fun. Thanks, Dan. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.